Well, as I said earlier, if you weren't here, uh, my name is Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element. And again, want to welcome everyone, not just here in the room, but possibly joining us online, watching live on Facebook or church online. If you are watching live, uh, would you share the video uh, on your social media sites? Uh, just a great way to let folks know what's going on. So as we were kind of planning this sabbatical heading into it, uh, I knew that after all of our guys spoke so many times, they would need a break. And they did, as I said, a fantastic job. All of them said exactly what I told them to, which is awesome. And just kidding. Uh, they all did fantastic. But I thought, they're going to need a break when I get back. I didn't want to jump right in uh, after a whole week of reacclimating and catching up and all that. I didn't want to jump right in and put a sermon together. And so we scheduled this Sunday uh, available to speak. So I asked a person who I trust completely uh, in this pulpit. My brother-in-law is here today, Sabrina's brother. Uh, he is, his name is Ryan Akers. He's the pastor of Radiant Life Church in the booming metropolis of Burlington, Kansas. If you've never heard of it, don't worry. The people who live there have never heard of it. Uh, but they are absolutely killing it in that community. Radiant Life is reaching more than 10% of their city population. That would be like us, yeah. That would be like Element averaging 6,500 people, by the way. That's massive, okay. It's massive. We were there one Sunday on sabbatical. They had baptism service that day. They baptized 21 people. I, I think like half of those were spontaneous baptisms. One guy got saved at the baptismal tank and then got baptized. I leaned over to my wife and said, we are witnessing revival right now. It was unbelievable. Ryan's got a powerful word for you today. I can't wait for you to hear it. So I've told him how great you were to preach to, so you need to live up to that word, all right? So give the best Element Church welcome you can to my brother-in-law, Pastor Ryan Akers. Well, good morning, Element. So good to see you guys. Man, what a privilege it is to be here. It's an honor to stand on this stage. I have been watching this church from a distance for 10 years. I, I've only been to one service here, and it was back uh, when you guys were in the movie theater. So really, really long time ago, and it has just been so amazing to see all that God has done in this place and how you are just radically transforming Cheyenne. It's just uh, unbelievable. I'm so glad to have even been a part of it and, and gotten to watch it. I, I joked with Jeff that probably the only reason that he asked me to speak this morning is because I love the Oklahoma Sooners and I hate cats. Yeah. So I said, so it's like he just needed support, you know. Well, if you got your Bibles, let's go to James chapter 3. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning. And I want to talk to you about something that every one of you possess. You've already used it several times today. And when it's used correctly, this possession can, and, and it can inspire, it can motivate, it can enrapture a crowd. When it's used poorly, this possession can cut down, destroy, and devastate. It can make you the hero and the villain. And in my opinion, it is the greatest weapon in the history of the world. You may have figured it out. It is your tongue, your tongue, more specifically, the words that are coming off your tongue. Now, I obviously haven't pulled everybody in here, but I'm pretty confident in saying that there isn't a person in here that has not been both built up and torn down by someone's words. And in the same way, there's probably not a person in here who has not built up and torn down someone with their words. The average person speaks anywhere from 10,000 to over 20,000 words per day. And it is pretty much guaranteed that there are going to be some words that are said that we later wish that we could take back. 
which is what makes our words so dangerous. That once it is out there, it's out there. And now with internet and social media and texting, our words aren't out there and just kind of float away. No, they are out there forever. And one of the dangers of people communicating primarily through email and text and Facebook, etc., through those mediums today, is not only are your words out there forever, but those ways of communicating give permission for anyone to interpret the tone and the attitude that they believe we had when we wrote those words. So now what happens is what one person may see as funny, another person may take as rude, and you end up making a friend and an enemy when you meant to do neither. And that's the reason I'm not a fan of making decisions or having uh, difficult conversations or serious conversations over email or texting. I don't want my words to be misinterpreted. Now, of course, the modern day solution to this problem is emojis. Emojis save everything, all right? Because how many use emojis in this room? Show of hands, let's be honest. Okay, amen, most of the church, all right, all right. If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. Or you just need to get a smartphone, you're probably still using a dumb phone or something like that, I don't know. But, but emojis save us because emojis let people know, hey, this is ha-ha funny, I'm not being rude, okay, or something like that. So we have emojis like the smiley face emoji, and we have the angry face emoji, and we have the poop face emoji. <laughs> now, I got to be honest with you. I thought the poop face emoji was chocolate ice cream for the longest time, <laughs> okay, until my 13-year-old daughter said, Dad, that's not chocolate ice cream, that's poop. And I was like, why in the world? What's the point of that? You know, but now we have this obsession with poop face emojis, but I don't know. But if you watch or read the news, then you know the power of words and how people love to take someone's words and use them as weapons against or for the person who spoke those words. Now, I'm a news junkie. Um, anybody love news like I do? Man, I need prayer about that. I'm, I am in the news all the time. My kids hate driving with me in the car because I don't listen to music. I listen to news. And when they say, Dad, can you change the station? I'm thinking, yeah, I'll change it to another news station. I, that, you know, that's what I think they're saying. But I find it to be very entertaining to watch the news. So I love to read everything. And I read everything from every point of view. I read everything from every political belief. And it is amazing how one side will take what one politician or, or one celebrity says, and they will make it out to be the most inspiring words to have ever been spoken, while another person will take those exact same words and they will make it come across as if what that person just said, they are now the biggest dummy on earth and we need to destroy them, right? Here's the big idea that I want to get across to you <clears throat> this morning. Words matter. Can you say that with me? Words matter, right? There's this old saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I want to say that whoever said that is an idiot. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. All right. <laughs> no, our words matter. And here's the thing. Your level of fame, your level of influence, your level of economic standing has no bearing on the power or of, the, of how much power you have in the healing or hurting of someone with your words. 
And what I hope for you to cling to this morning is that speech is a powerful gift from God. And how we choose to use this gift will tell the world both who we are in our character and whose we are. Do I belong to the world or do I belong to Jesus? A powerful preacher, he's passed away, author, preacher, great man of God. J. Vernon McGee once said these words. He says, your speech tells who you are. Your tongue gives you away. It tells where you came from. It tells whether you are ignorant or educated, cultured or crude, whether you are clean or unclean, whether you are vulgar or refined, whether you are a believer or a blasphemer, whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian, whether you are guilty or not guilty. And the Bible has a lot to say about the tongue because God understands how dangerous our words can be and how important it is for us to learn to control our tongues. And so we go to James chapter three and we start by looking in James chapter three, verse two. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation and it says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So what happens is James jumps right in and he speaks a very challenging truth for us that on our own, it is impossible for us to control our tongues. Our words are going to reveal outwardly what is happening to me inwardly. And inwardly, I am what the Bible calls a sinner. Romans 3 speaks very clearly of this, that there is no one righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so outwardly reveals what's happening to me inwardly. And inwardly, my natural path, my natural desire is that I wanna go towards, gravitate to bitterness, jealousy, anger, hate, malice. And I feel that towards complete strangers who cut me off in traffic. I feel that towards slow servers at restaurants. I feel that towards coworkers who get the promotion that I don't think they deserved or I deserved it more than they do. I feel that towards my spouse and my children who don't meet my needs or my expectations in some way. And when we feel these things, we most often express what we feel outwardly, our thoughts, these sins through our words. And this is the danger of the tongue, how out of one side of my mouth, I can praise, but out of another side of my mouth, I can curse. And it's why you can be the villain and the hero and why we have to learn how to control the tongue with God's help before it controls us. Now let's look at verse three. It says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. If you're a note taker in here, I want you to write this down. Words matter because our words direct. Our words direct. Our words might often seem forgettable, and yet they have great control in directing not just me, but control and the ability to direct other people as well. So James uses two very simple but very powerful illustrations for this point. The first being the image of a small bit in a horse's mouth. Now I have a picture here of a horse with a bridle. Why I would ever have to um, show people a picture. Is it up on the screen? Did it come up? 
horse with a horse picture? No, there it is. All right. Why well, would need to show anybody in Wyoming what a horse looks like with a bridle on it? I don't know. But um, from the online crowd, there you go. Um, but the horses wear these things around their head and they got a bit in its mouth to try to control them. And it's amazing how something so small and insignificant very easily controls a large and powerful animal. And if a horse is not controlled by the bridle, it can do all sorts of damage. Now, he also gives the illustration of a rudder of a ship and how, again, such a small and seemingly insignificant piece of this giant ship has so much control, how a fierce storm can drive this ship, but this little tiny rudder can control the direction that it goes. And if we let our tongues control us rather than take control of it, the only place that we are going to be led is down the path of lying and gossip, slander and hate. That is where we naturally want to go as human beings. But where we need to be directed by is Jesus Christ who will lead us down a path of love and grace, forgiveness and encouragement. Think about how it feels when someone insults you or if you've been a part of a experience where kids, uh, I love kids, I have four children, but the reality is kids can be very cruel to one another. And think about how kids can call each other fat or stupid or ugly or whatever. And we fall into that peer pressure because we don't want to be the one that gets made fun of. So we join along with everyone else. And what we're not thinking about at the time is how the power of our words and what we're saying to this person simply so that we don't get made fun of, how that is possibly impacting and directing them down a path. They're becoming controlled by what we say in their life. And now they live a life of low self-esteem. They live a life constantly worried about what people think of them. And I remember when a friend of mine was incessantly teased in elementary school because he was always just called fat. And those words radically changed him. And he grew up and he became so skinny that when he bent over, you could see the spine. You could see the ribs. He just would not eat. He ate so little. He became so obsessed with what he looked like. It took a family intervention. It took a lot of counseling to help him. And even though he's better today, he still has to fight constantly to not fall back into the trap of believing those painful words and being directed by those words that were told to him so many years ago. Our words can direct us. Our words can direct others. I've counseled multiple people who live their lives being controlled by the words from their past. Adults who fear rejection, who fear what other people think of them, who fear letting others down, who fear criticism of any kind for any reason because someone's words in your past has hurt you so deeply that it, and it has affected you psychologically that it has now hindered you from experiencing the life of joy and freedom that is offered in Christ because someone else's words are controlling you. Someone else's words are directing you rather than being directed by God you're being directed by people. And when this happens, we become enslaved to people, caring more about what others think of us rather than what God thinks of us. Don't we usually think about losing weight for something? You know, like when you got like a, a high school reunion coming up or you got a wedding coming up and you're just like, man, I got to lose five, 50 pounds or something like that. <laughs> I got to get back in the gym. I got to look good because all my high school friends are going to be there. And you know what? And so, and the reason that we care so much about that thing is because we care about other people's words. Because when people see us at the reunion, 
when people see us at the wedding, we want their words to be, wow. We do not want their words to be, oh. <laughs> because it's those, oh's that directs our lives. It's those negative words that cause us to make choices in life that harm us. Here's the truth, church. A positive word will remain with you for a minute, but a negative word can scar you for life. Similarly, if you are a person who tends to only be negative, you're the negative Nancy in the room. No offense to anybody named Nancy, okay? But trust me, we know them. And here's what we do to people who tend to be negative all the time. Don't mind them, right? Don't mind them. Ignore them. They complain about everything, all right? That's just who they are. I want you to know something. That's only who they are because they've allowed the wrong words to direct their lives down the wrong path, but that is not who God wants them to be. And if that is you, a hurt person who has made it your mission now to hurt others, there's hope for you today. You don't have to live enslaved to that. And if we know people like that, man, we shouldn't be saying that's just who they are. We need to be on our knees begging God to break them. Our hearts should break for people because they're not experiencing the joy and freedom that is had in a relationship with Jesus. Listen, words matter because words direct us and words direct others. Let's go to uh, verse 5. second part of verse 5 says, But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is itself set on fire, or it is set on fire by hell itself. Here we go. Words matter. Number two, words matter because our words destroy. Our words can be devastating. They can destroy. And here's the truth. We are going to make mistakes with our words. We are going to say things that we're going to regret. You can't speak between 10,000 and 20,000 words per day and not say something dumb, okay? It's just going to happen, okay? So James tells us that in verse 2. And it's not about being perfect with our words because that's impossible. But we are to be striving to be holy, to be mature, to be complete. And that is a lifelong learning process, as in today, I held my tongue. Thank you, Jesus, for your help. But tomorrow is still coming, and I've got to start all over again. All right? It's difficult. We fail sometimes. It's why we desperately need God's help each and every day. We cannot do it alone. I love what David says in Psalm 19:14. This needs to be our morning prayer. When we wake up, we need to say these words. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You cannot go wrong reciting those words as the first thing when you get up. You can't go wrong. That will change your life. May what is in my heart and what is in my mouth and what comes out of me, what goes in me and what comes out of me, Lord, may first and foremost, in the beginning of this day, may it please you and nobody else. That should be our daily focus because the opposite direction will only create a path of destruction. James points out how our words are like the spark that can ignite this great fire. And every summer, of course, we hear about fires that devastate the landscape of California and other places. Many times those fires are often caused by people who were irresponsible with a small fire that they could have very easily controlled. In the same way, 
we are often careless of the words we choose to speak, and we end up causing this great path of destruction, sometimes doing so without even meaning to. A seemingly innocent conversation that just starts with, hey, did you, did you hear? More often than not, ends up hurting the person that is being spoken about and who is not given the opportunity to defend themselves, to give their side of the story. And without even thinking about it, we are teaming other people up against them. The fact is, simple gossip can eventually turn into a path of destruction because we will start assuming things about other people that may not be true. And I gotta tell you, church, it's not just spreading gossip that causes destruction. Listening to it causes destruction. When we enable a person to stay in a place of anger and negativity by being that sounding board for their negativity, we're not helping them. We tell ourselves, well, I'm just being a friend by listening to them. But you're being impacted negatively as well. And listen, if, if they aren't willing to go and talk to the person they have an issue with, if they aren't willing to consider both sides of the story, if they aren't willing to come to a peaceful resolution or a compromise to the problem, if all we're continuing to do is be someone just feeds their negativity by listening to them, we aren't helping them, we are hurting them. It is a small spark that can destroy many. Proverbs 17, 4 says, wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. And as human beings, our natural instinct is not to find resolution and compromise. It is to find as many people as I can who will agree with me, put them around me, and let them feed me. That's what we want to do. I want you to agree with my pain. I want you to agree with my anger. I want you to feel what I feel towards that person. And rather than resolve it, we want to be fed by it. And that's incredibly dangerous. So this might be a weird example coming from a 37-year-old grown man. But I want to talk about Taylor Swift and Katy Perry real quick. <laughs> because here is what I see as a small spark that has exploded into a devastating Fire. And if you don't know who they are, then feel free to do some Googling real quick. You'll figure it out. But here you have two extremely, and they are extremely talented singers who for some reason cannot simply be happy enough with having millions upon millions of dollars, millions upon millions of adoring fans. There has to be drama. They used to be friends, and now for some reason they, they don't like each other. It seems to come across within the media circles and whatnot that they don't just not like each other. They despise each other. How do I know this? Because I'm a news junkie, all right? Something was said. Something happened. I don't know. Some of you probably know. I think it was something like uh, one of them accused another one of them of stealing one of their backup dancers or something like that. And rather than sit down like two grown adults and have a conversation... They instead decide, Let's, I'm just going to surround myself with people who will agree with me, who will feed me, and not only am I going to do that, but now I'm going to just come out with music that is meant to call out the other person. And so now you have Team Taylor people, and you have Team Katie people, and it has spread not just to them or their inner circle, but fans 
on forums or, or fighting. No, she's right. No, she's right. How could she hurt her like that? How could she do this? How could she say this? And there are YouTube reviewers of their music who are excited to sit down and watch their music videos as many times as it takes because they cannot wait to just study and pick out every little insult, every little diss through the words and the visuals of that music video. That they just want to know what it is. They, they eat it up. And we eat it up because gossip and hate feels good. We get fed off of it. And rather than focus on more things like the dead and the displaced in Texas, we are focusing on Taylor and Katie's feud. And you will see Texas, Texas. Oh, Taylor and Katie. All this week. How do I know all this? Because Taylor's latest music video, Look What You Made Me Do, what an interesting title of that, just came out, and in eight days, this video was meant to be an insult, this video to Katy Perry, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, anybody that has ever hurt her, I think. And in just eight days, it has been seen on YouTube over 100 million times in eight days. Now, I'm giving you somewhat of a ridiculous example, but one that perfectly shows how a small spark, a simple disagreement can start a devastating fire to where you not only pull in yourselves in your inner circle, now you have millions upon millions of people who are in on it as well. Here's, here's the truth. If you want to keep the fire from ever starting, starve it of the fuel it needs to even begin. Proverbs 26, 20 says, fire goes out without wood, quarrels disappear when gossip stops. If you refuse to start, listen, pass on gossip, if you refuse to insult or to slander, it will die right there. Don't help it keep going. Don't be the fuel that lets fire start or grow. Somebody eventually has to have the guts to say, you know what? Hey, this is enough. You don't know if what you are saying is true. It has nothing to do with you anyway, so let's just end this conversation. Or be a friend who will say, I'm really sorry this happened to you. I'm sorry that you're hurt. I hurt with you. In fact, I am going to be a friend and I'm going to listen to how you feel, but let's find resolution. Have you spoken to this person about it? Have you heard their side of a story? Is there some type of peaceful compromise or resolution that can be made? Or here's a challenging question that we don't ask our friends enough as real friends. Might you be part of the problem? Might some of this be your fault? Are you willing to learn to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Listen, it's easy to start the fire. It's easy to spread the fire, but it's difficult to stop the fire. And we need to be the ones who are willing to put it out. Words matter because our words direct. Words matter because our words destroy. Words matter because, number three, our words display. Specifically, our words display our character. Luke 6.45 says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. How you talk to others is a reflection of what is in your heart. And so if you are a person who is quick to anger, you constantly have a, a critical thing to say, you're just generally a negative person, you are displaying to us your heart condition. James speaks candidly about the double-mindedness of the tongue in verse 9 and 10. 
He says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So in other words, how can we as professed followers of Jesus Christ ever live lives justifying lying, gossip, slander, vulgar language, back-talking? We cannot. Going back to J. Vernon McGee was one of the most powerful quotes I've ever read. He says, when a man can sing like an angel on Sunday and then talk like a demon during the week, you label him as you want to. The Bible calls that man a hypocrite. Our tongues reveal how genuine our faith truly is. It displays for all to see who we are and whose we are. James is famous for teaching us that faith without works is dead. That to say you have faith, but to not live it out, it means nothing. That we have to live out in thought, word, and deed every day for the glory of God and with the help of God. In fact, he says in chapter 1, verse 26, that if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Look, we can fake it. And we can try to act like something that we aren't, but eventually between your 10 and 20,000 words, you're going to slip up and eventually your words are going to display your true character. Now, having said all that, I want to begin to close with a tool that will give you kind of a guide on knowing if what you are about to say should be said at all. So here it is. Before you speak, I want you to ask yourself these five things. Number one, is what you're about to say true? Is it true? Is what you're about to say factual? Do you even know all the facts to this? Number two, is it helpful? Are the words that you're about to say going to bring a solution to a problem or are they just going to feed negativity? Number three, is it inspiring? Well, the words that you're about to say, are they going to build someone up or are they going to tear someone down? A simple way to look at this is if that person is standing right in front of you, would you have the guts to say it to their face? And if you wouldn't, guess what? Don't say it. It's not hard. Number four, is it necessary? Do you have to say anything at all? Now, you may not have known this, but talking is optional, right? There are, there are many wonderful proverbs on the wisdom of silence. Number five, is it kind? Are your words based on a desire to help or hurt? What is your motivation? And if you take that, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? You take the first letter of each word, T-H-I-N-K, you get think. Before you speak, think. I believe this is a, a timely message because our culture has become so divisive and so angry and so quick to tear down with their words. And we as a church, we as Christians, we are not cut off from that. In fact, having lived in five states and worked at several churches, I can tell you that Christians can be some of the worst offenders of the tongue. Element Church, this cannot be. In this day and age, we have to be different. We have to be in the world, but we must not be of this world. We are to be a reflection of Jesus, not a reflection of the world. Because we are called to be the proclaimers of his gospel message, which is called the good news. 
that all who confess with their mouths and believe in their heart in Jesus, they will be saved. We are called the light of the world. We are called the salt of the earth. And we must live out his example. We are to go and share this good news in a way that will be holy and pleasing to our God. And listen, if you are not, if you sing like an angel on Sunday, but you live like a demon during the week, then the only response to this message is repentance. A changing of my mind where I was walking this way and now I need to walk this way and I need to come to the cross of Christ and humbly surrender to him and seek his forgiveness and ask God to say, rid me, Lord. Rid me of my criticism. Rid me of my negativity. Rid me of that gossip and help me be a light to those around me. Because here's the thing, church, the people that you know, the people that you have direct influence with, they already have enough darkness around them. They don't need you to give them more of it. They need you to give them the light. Lift people up. Don't tear them down. Help them solve their conflicts. Don't be the fuel that feeds their conflicts. And if you are not a believer in here this morning, let me say the only words that matter to you. Jesus loves you and he died for you. You may have been abandoned by people your whole life, but Jesus has never abandoned you. And today he wants a relationship with you. Stop running from God. Stop believing the lies of your present, the lies of your past, and what people have said you are, God is saying that is not who you are. You come to me. You have a relationship with me. You surrender to me, and I will declare you holy and a child of God. Give your life to him. Don't let the words of the world direct you. Let his words and his actions and the truth of who he is change you forever. Church, words matter. How are you using them? I pray that your heart will begin to be, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart not be pleasing to this person and this person and this person because I long for their approval. I long for their wows. No, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing only to you. Day in and day out. Words matter. Father God, we do thank you for the gift of words. Lord, it is a powerful tool that you have blessed us with. It is the words of your word that changes the hearts of millions. God, let us not abuse this gift, but use it for your glory. God, let us, if we have been controlled by the people around us, directed by them, destroyed by what they have said. God, if we have controlled, directed, destroyed others by what we have said, God, first let us find forgiveness in that. And God, let us be set free of the enslavement that other people have put over us. And let us now, God, be transformed by who you are and your words that says, I am forgiven, that I am loved that my identity is not in what this person thinks of me. My identity is in who, what Jesus did for me and who he says I am, a child of God, set free and forgiven. And God, let that bring someone joy today. If there's someone in here, Lord, who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray today is the day that they would quit running from you and say, Father, I surrender my life. I give my life over to you. 
Father, let them stop living for themselves and let them start living for you, transforming their life to the life of joy and freedom that you desire for them. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Element Church.